When Adam Barkley sat on a car key, it went straight up his jacksy. He cried and departed outside where he farted and accidentally unlocked a taxi. <laughs> well, it's good to be back. Welcome to Foul Papers. <laughs> Adam Barkley, nice and sparkly, dressed up for the winter's ball. Hit the dance floor like an ostrich. What I need a man for, I'm a boss bitch. He sang to the confusion of all. This is a poem I've written quite recently. Um, I just want to say uh, it's not personal. Okay. Will you bear that in mind throughout, please? Uh, can I just have the title of the poem? Yes. The Fall of Man. Okay. It was all Adam's fault. Couldn't say no, or I beg your pardon, to the first bit of tit that he saw in the garden. Ignoring the master, appallingly blind, that stupid tall bastard has ruined mankind. God had been good. Handsome and flash. He said, I'll call you Adam, dude. My friends call me Ash. God was amazing, but Adam was a dick. And that stupid tall bastard was undone by a chick. I'm Eve, she said, as Adam gawped with interest. Then he made out with his own rib. I think that's incest. That's incest, Adam. (laughs) My accusations hurled. (laughs) My accusations hurled at you, you stupid tall bastard, for the miseries of the world. Oh. Adam is my content cow. I milk him once a week. <laughs> Though it's not milk, but podcasts what come frothing from his teats. Out, out they come in bucketfuls, dribbling, whooshing, slapping. Well done, cow. I pat his rump and watch his bollocks clapping. <laughs> oh, that was lovely. Thank you, Ash. We've actually got a sponsor this week. Holy I shit. I know, we're, we're doing... Who the fuck is sponsoring us? Well, um, it, it's, we just have to play the advert. I'll just click that button. Hi, I'm Joe Wicks, the fitness tit. Get my new book, Joe Wicks, the fitness tit, how to bosh a courgette. Step one, bosh open the fridge and bish out the courgette. If you forget which one's the courgette, I caution you to scroll on it the word courgette. And bosh, job done. Funny story. When I was younger, I fell over on a very pointy courgette and it went straight up my brain. (laughs) That's how to bosh a courgette by Joe Wicks, the fitness tit. Bish bosh bye. It's weird that that advert had a laugh track on it. Adam, what would this quiz be if not padded out with a quiz? (laughs) I said quiz twice. You said quiz. Well, that just makes the point, doesn't it? (laughs) Okay, so you've listened to the episode, so now there's going to be a quick quiz. Oh, shit. But here's, here's the thing, Adam. It's called true or false. <laughs> okay, can, can, can a question have an answer that is true? Yeah, well, it's actually a true quiz, not a taming of the true quiz. Okay. So you're, you're off the hook. <laughs> true or false? Okay. Um, contrary to popular belief, shrews are venomous. And the fluid in their concealed venom gland... Is enough to kill 200 mice. <laughs> shrew. It is shrew. Really? Yeah, they are a, wow. they're a venomous uh, mammal. Very rare. I think wow. a platypus is platypus, also venomous. yeah, they've got, got, they've got poisonous spurs on spine, their elbows. Yeah, spurs, that's the word. Yeah. Okay, one for one. This Christmas, which of the following authors got the fattest? <laughs> Was it A, Kate Fatkinson? <laughs> B, Kazuo Ishiguro Eat That? <laughs> 
or C, more snacks, McCarthy. <laughs> I, I I thought I was going to go with B because that was my favourite pun, but yeah. C C exceeded my expectations, so I'm going to go with C. Well, you'll be happy you did because it was more snacks. Oh McCarthy. yeah. He puts on his Instagram that he got so fat off chocolate biscuits <laughs> that his missus put a note on the fridge that said, no cookies for fat men. <laughs> um, question two. Edgar Allan Poe loved Halloween, as, as you could probably guess. Yeah. Um, and every year he strapped on a big fake nose and a bag of letters and went as Edgar Allan Postman Pat. <laughs> Autobiography of Ian Rankin. Was it called A, Rankin High in the Crime Section? B, Ian on Eon, from Eon to Eon, or C, memoir dot doc. <laughs> Do you know what the worst thing is? What? That third one is exactly what I would imagine his poetry. I'm going to go with that third one. It was, it was called memoir dot doc. He just, he just forgot to give yeah. it a title, but you know. Uh, I've got a really quick game for you. Um, it's uh, another Amazon, quick Amazon quiz. Oh yeah. And it's called... Pickwick, pig flick, or prit stick? Okay, hit me. These three reviews, <laughs> one, one is of the novel Pickwick Papers, yep. one is of the film Babe, and one is just of <clears throat> prit stick. And you might be thinking, that's going to be really fucking easy. But I have been quite cryptic with Ooh, my okay. Pickwick, pig flick, I'm genuinely or excited. prit stick, triptych. <laughs> you ready? Oh, yeah. Five stars. Ooh. A joy. Love this and always have. We'll never tire of it. I'm going to call Prit Stick. Okay. Number two. Five stars. Oh, shit. Pure pleasure. I can't recommend this enough. That's Pickwick. Okay. What more can you say? It's glue in a stick. Five stars. Good old Prit. Fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that'll be Babe, big in the city. That was Babe, well done. Three out of three. <laughs> oh shit, mate, it's Joe Wicks. Oh, for fuck's sake. All right, I'm Joe Wicks. Bish, bosh, bish. I'm the buff bod in rough squad. I eat raw fish. Top selling author. I bish, bosh books that get bish, bosh bought author. by piss poor cucks. I'm a bish, bosh bitch with posh dog looks. A bosh show biz with my bish, bosh stick. I'm the fitness tit with the bish, bosh tips to having sick hot bods and tip top shits. Is the autobiography of Carol Ann Duffy A. Sterile and Stuffy, the humorous poems of Carol Ann Duffy, Feral and Puffy, My Life on the Piss, <laughs> or C. Men, can't live with them, pass the nuts. <laughs> I, I notice you go back to the same punching bags week after week. Yeah, I'm very limited. <laughs> Question two. This Christmas, which of the following authors got the drunkest? Oh. Was it A, Salman Sloshty, B, Michelle Wellrecht, or C, Caroline Duffy? <laughs> C, Caroline Duffy. Oh, direct. It was C, Caroline Duffy. She put on her Snapchat that Dylan Thomas ain't got piss on me, Brig on 2019, dot, 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 pints of Baileys. <laughs> Cheers up your bum if you see a Duffy coming, run. Um, so yeah, Carol- posted at one minute past midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't think she stopped there. I don't think she went home to bed after that. I think she had a bigger one. Um, <laughs> I'm not even sure if anyone's heard from her. Um, okay, wow, I'm down 180 pounds. Can so- I have that check now? Because I'm still, I'm still waiting no, for what you owe me from last week. No, you're still contractually obliged to um, 
to answer the rest of these questions. <laughs> Blackbeard had a twin brother. What was his name? He was also called Blackbeard. Well, I guess because if they were twins, they would both have black beards. It's true. I'm afraid it's false. Oh, shit. Okay, but I'll give you one last chance to double okay. or nothing. Get slightly different question, not a true or false. Okay. There was one small way to tell the difference between the two Blackbeard twins. What was it? If you get it in the right ballpark, I'll give you it. Uh, pubic hair. No, have another guess. Eye colour. One more. The realness of their teeth. No. One of them had a uh, tiny little mole on one shoulder, uh-huh. whereas the other black beard had a parrot. <laughs> and also, we'll check in with how famous I am. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, um, what, what, what metric are we doing for your famousness? Well, I get a text. Oh! Because uh, now that works. I'm famous, because of the Fringe show... Um, are you on some kind of mailing list? Yeah. Okay. So as soon as you become famous, they text you and they say, um, this is how famous you are and this is where you're famous. Oh, um, so it's like a ranking. Yeah, so I'm huge in Ilfracum. <laughs> Does it tell you um, who's immediately above and below you in the fame ranking? Yeah, I've just overtaken Mary Beard. Oh, really? She's yeah. quite famous. I know, I know. I bumped into her the other day. Was she fuming? Well, no, she was No, she was in awe. Oh, um, is that how it, okay, how it And I was coming out the offices of the TLS because um, they wanted to do a piece on me. And she was uh, coming in with a pencil case. And uh, <laughs> she said, oh, my God, Ash, huge fan. Uh, I'm Mary Beard. I'm a historian and a presenter. Um, but enough about me. And I said, yeah, that, that is enough. Yeah. Um, wow. And then I signed a pencil case and she, uh, she fucked off. Nice girl. I interrupt this episode of Ear Read This to bring you Ariel. One story told over a pointlessly ser- long series of episodes. My name's Ash Caton. I might actually play some sort of music behind this to make it sound really legit. My name's Ash Caton. And over the past day or two, I've been investigating a local crime case. And now I'm basically a detective, but better. Because detectives can't podcast. Can't, I should say, or won't. This notorious case rocked Stockbridge, a small precinct in Edinburgh well known for its uniquely white sense of community. (laughs) On the streets of Stockbridge, I often heard people say that the only foreigners here are the ones making us paella in the food market. (laughs) Kept safely away by those massive pans. The case I'm going to talk about is almost as infamous as the 2008 wave of axe murders known as Beheadinburgh. <laughs> Here's what you already know, the bit the media will tell you. In 2016, a bright, handsome university graduate was jailed for murdering his girlfriend. His name was Macbeth McRippin. <laughs> but did he do it? <laughs> but you did. Did you get a Scottish name generator? <laughs> yeah. But did he do it? The evidence, his confession, the witnesses and the jury say yes. <laughs> but I'm not so easily convinced. <laughs> what you're about to hear is a transcript of my first conversation with Macbeth when I phoned him <laughs> at the Stockbridge Maximum Security Prison <laughs> called Lockbridge and throw away the key. 
can I can I can I quit the podcast? <laughs> So I need you to read. I obviously oh. made a transcript of what I said to Macbeth. So um, okay. we're going to play. We're going to read the transcript now. Okay. Let me just get into character. Okay. okay. Hi, Macbeth. It's great to uh, talk to you at last. I think one really blunt question right off the bat is: Did you do it? No, not really. My memory of that night is full of blanks, but I doubt I'd murder anyone. I mean, I'm really charming. Yeah, I noticed that. You are really, really charming. Have you always been this charming? Yes, I've always possessed what you might call a dangerously intoxicating charm. But if I might say so, Macbeth, being charming isn't the same thing as being guilty. Well, that was the defence we used. <laughs> I should say I'm also very used to getting my own way. I don't think I could hack not getting my own way. Oh, although um, hack might not be the best choice of word. No, because I strangled her. What? I didn't say anything. <laughs> My interview with Macbeth <laughs> left me with more questions than answers. Why did I not believe the story the police were putting out? Was it because the pieces just didn't fit? Was it because I was becoming very attracted to Macbeth and his big strangly arms? <laughs> or was it my desperate vampiric need for content? <laughs> Find out next time on Ariel. Where are you on the fame rankings this week? Uh, well, I've got to be honest, after last week, it did take a bit of a hit. Oh, after all of our negative reviews? Yeah, yeah, I um, I slumped a bit. So you've, you've dropped below Mary Beard then? Who are you, who are you being flanked I've by? I've dropped below Beard, yeah, I'm I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty much below the tits now. <laughs> you can't say that, that's terrible. <laughs> Welcome to Books on Film. I'm a BBC Four voice, and my guest today is the legendary Scottish filmmaker, Drambugi Bagglepipe Black Pudding Flute, Dingwall Dongwall, Get de Fuck You Wee Timorous Bastard Bog Breath McPorridge Chops. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Books on Film. My panel of esteemed guests this evening include the Hungarian novelist Jan Jansen. Hello. The anarcho-feminist screenwriter Kay Deal. Hi. The radical librettist Tim Wood. Hey. And the Scottish filmmaker, Kimboogle, Flapgoosey, Cantrip, Jalousewrinkle, Neeps and Stinge Piping, Fingle, My Brother Will rick- Rip Out Your Thrapple, Shetland, Shatland, Moira McGregor, Glen Kiltpish, McTwat. Hello. <laughs> and I'm your host, Jenny Heaven. <laughs> We've also discovered some things about each other on this podcast that I think has added to sort of naturalistic feel. Yeah. Like, yeah, it turns out you, you really do hate a lot of things that I really enjoy, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a bit awkward because I, I mentioned that I saw Old Boy for the first time. Oh, I, and I and I, I really like Old Boy. I hated it. Well, here we go. This is yeah. material. Oh, no, it was three. It was three billboards that you you I hated. hated. Three billboards. You hated three billboards. Terrible film. <laughs> have you watched Hereditary, the horror film? I have. Have you seen Hereditary now? I just watched it the other what day. What do you think? Rubbish. You didn't like? It? I forgot. Yeah. Do we do we like anything that the other likes? Uh, and it's directed by Dennis Villeneuve. Dennis Villeneuve. Yeah, who did the um, Blade, Blade Runner twenty forty nine screensaver? Yeah, <laughs> that was a that was a great film as well. Oh really? Yeah. Did you not see it? No, I saw it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like John Wick, um, Baby Driver. John Wick with all the the headshots. Do you not like John Wick either? Did you know that the German title for Toy Story was the Magic Playbox? That's such a shit title. It sounds so folksy, doesn't it? 
And the uh, the Korean title for Monsters Inc. is uh, a company of trolls. <laughs> <laughs> and the Japanese title for Finding Nemo, <laughs> Come Dine With Me. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Always with a dig at the Japanese. Um, but speaking of um, animals and uh, and David Attenborough, oh. the you know Blue Planet. I do know Blue Planet. Did you know that the Japanese title of Blue Planet was uh, Chef's Table? (laughs) Adam, how many Japanese fishermen does it take to change a light bulb? Just looking for a number. One. That's right, just one. But you'll need a load more to slaughter the 40 panicked baby narwhals (laughs) to make a lampshade out of their dried blood. And then one more to just bin the rest. <laughs> so um, if you do need a light bulb changing, maybe don't go down that route because it's quite a big dump. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you filled a swimming pool with printer ink, you could pay off third world debt. Really? Yep. An Olympic swimming pool full of printer ink is the same value as, over the same value as third world debt. What about if you filled a printer with bull semen? Then you really are just playing with powers that God never meant us to have. <laughs> Yeah, but your CV would look fun. <laughs> Author Chef is back. A new crop of hopeful young amateur writers have won the opportunity to show their skills and become the new Author Chef champion. For me, writing isn't just a household chore, it's almost an art. Sonnets, haikus, meter and two veg, I call it. That world is gone. I'm young, urban, and not afraid to be non traditional. Well, I'm just this episode's regional pleb. I don't know how good I am, but my wife loves my home writing. Uh, She signed me up for this. Bless her little web toes. These two home writers will have to impress Judge William Sitwell, a literary critic so outspoken and maverick that he lost his Waitrose gig. Today, our writers must write well, the way I sit well, like a nice little dog. Joining William is Jay Rayner. A man who looks like a Jewish matriarch. William and I are the most outspoken men in England. You're looking very fat, Jay. See what I mean? What I want to see today from our writers is elevated simplicity. No frills, no fancy stuff. All I'm giving them is the humble broccoli. Oh, a beautiful broccoli. Yes, a beautiful broccoli, Jay. All we want is for our writers to write about the broccoli three ways. But what's essential is that the essence of the broccoli isn't lost. No, I still want to feel that beautiful broccoli coming through. The two contestants have 15 minutes to write about broccoli three ways. Your time starts now. Adam is writing a one-act play about the benefits of the broccoli as a weapon. He's serving that with broccoli diatribe garnished with a sprouting broccoli think piece. It's all about writing broccoli in new ways, urban ways, challenging ways, non-patriarchal ways. My writing asks questions and so will my broccoli. Adam. Yes, chef. Your one-act play is not good. It's exquisite. And I can still feel that beautiful broccoli coursing through it in every word. Thank you, chef. Because you've made sure every word is broccoli. However, your think piece hasn't set and needs much more vitriol. And I'm afraid your diatribe is a disaster. Sometimes, when you try to do too much, Adam, it just collapses. Pretty gutted. I think maybe the judges just aren't ready for my work. But that's their loss. And what have we got here? Ash, 
has served a hearty broccoli yarn, served peasant style with a side of broccoli proverbs, finished with a broccoli joke. Why couldn't the broccoli cross the road? His legs didn't work properly. That's a shit joke, Ash, and maybe you should have left it off the plate. Your proverbs and peasant yarn, however, are quite charming, quite charming. Always nice to see the pleb do well on this show. But what's this? Oh, I've just served for you a, a, a gratin potato on the side, just for a bit of theatre. That's a bold move, Ash. Which dish will the judges vote for? Find out next time on Author Chef. So I was talking about Love's Labour's Lost this week. You were. Um, Wouldn't stop talking about it. I th- oh no, I went on and on, didn't I? Um, I thought you'd be kind of into Love's Labour's Lost, because you're a bit of a lad, right? You know, yeah. You like getting with birds and that. Sure. D- did you get excited when I said I'm talking about Love's Labour's Lost, because you thought I said Tugs Ravens Off? No. Because of the birds? No. Adam, I see, as usual, you've got a big day's grin and some feathers in your teeth. <laughs> yep. Absolutely, and then can we ch- change topic, please? Yeah, you're not going to give me uh, any in there? Not today, Ash. Quite quite downy feathers this week, which... Um, duck down, maybe. I did say not to talk about it. Which tells me, or indicates this week, maybe you came by the water of Leith? Still not talking about it. Okay, of course, that is, obviously, if you were doing something as, as heinous as, as eating the birds. Although your beard is matted with an amount of blood that I would say indicates that your victim put up a struggle. Oh, no, that's that, that's just the new beard oil I'm using. Of course. I thought maybe it was another one of those ketchup and pillow-plumping accidents that you so often have. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, you know that um, book you were asking me about a while ago? Oh, uh, which one? Uh, the Sebastian Folks one. You said the title was Dinner Bell. Yeah, yes. Well, it turns out it's actually called Birdsong. Really? Yeah, but I guess you just confused those two things. Oh. Nice. Nice locking me out again. Um, so just really quick, three haikus. It's called the Stupid Tall Bastard Haiku Trilogy. Uh, brackets for Adam. Um, does podcast, then leaves. Walking home looks normal, but his secrets have wings. An army of frogs, a colony of weasels, a breakfast of crows. Among other clues, (laughs) among other clues, at McDonald's, he ordered a heron legend. (laughs) There's a grave digger, hollowing hollows, makes his grave bigger. (laughs) I walk and I whistle, yet wallowing follows. What's this in the thistle? Oh, look, it's Adam swallowing swallows. See, that's put a smile on your face. It is a cold November night, middle of nowhere in a goddamn good-for-nothing old town. The sick light of a bloodshot moon makes your 57 speedster look jaundiced. To your right... A run-down row of shop windows has been boarded up, or more likely, gagged. To your left, the blackness of the desert. You can just make out the silhouettes of a few cactuses backing off with their hands in the air. They don't want no trouble, Cabron. In the street lies the crumpled body of Chipcake Fingerbottom. Twitching... (laughs) (laughs) Twitching, stained, (laughs) and dead. 
like the first draft in a waste paper basket. You recognise the deceased with a shiver in your fundament. A small-time crook, a thief so petty he would steal a stuffed ferret's eyelash just if a taxidermist beat him at cards. As a coyote yowls mournfully from the desert, a tumbleweed crosses the road, avoiding eye contact. Where's he been, you wonder? And what did he say to that coyote? On the street corner, an old blues man teases fruit from his saxophone, and suddenly your head is full of late-night speakeasies and liquor-shelled skylines. Until a shape moves on the roof. Sniper, you think. And like a cat, you duck and do forward rolls into cover. (laughs) You crouch behind the wheel arch of your speedster, yellow eyes glinting in the night like the last two drops at the bottom of a custard well. From this position, you assess the scene as best as you can. Chipcake isn't even cold. His soul ain't high enough to ride the Big Dipper. (laughs) From professional experience, you can tell he was shot facing the desert, with his back turned to his assailant, who had approached him from the street side. The old blues man keeps on playing his sax, sitting down on the curb with his knees up like a dirty old frog. Who (laughs) who shot Chipcake Fingerbottom? Yeah, yeah. And also, um, I appreciate the inclusion of forward rolls. <laughs> Please listen to our our attempt to do an uh, choose your own adventure book. Little sponsored reference to that. Shot facing the desert. There's a blues man and a, a sniper. Maybe a sniper. Maybe That's a, just what you thought. Maybe yeah. a sniper. Yeah. And a tumbleweed. Yeah, suspicious acting. Suspicious tum- tumbleweeds. Yeah. I hate to profile, but. Sometimes you have to, like, you have to make these kind of awkward decisions, being a detective. Are there any other clues available to me, or is that short story? That's the whole thing, yeah. You can verify a few things if you want. Okay, Uh, tell me me about the blues man again. Tell me about his saxophone. Well, all we know is that he's playing his his sax. He seems pretty calm. He he sits down on the curb with his knees up. Like a dirty frog. Like a dirty old frog. Um, But he's looking pretty casual at this point. He's not looking... Um, worried. He's certainly not betraying any outward signs of guilt. Oh, it was me, wasn't it? I shot him. Did I do it? I mean, are you going to really turn the gun on yourself in this sense? <laughs> Moving shape on the roof. Jazz man. Me. Or you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to accuse jazz man. Do you want to hear the answer? You don't get a name like Chipcake Fingerbottom for nothing. Chipcake never could keep his hands to himself, and sooner or later he was bound to poke his pinky up the wrong stinky. You pushed it too far this time, Chip, you think to yourself, straightening up with a telltale sting in your anus. I did it. It was me. It was me. He got you good all right, but you got him one better. You holster your pistol, step over Chipcake's corpse and approach the old blues man, who's still playing away with a faraway smile. Hey, Slick, you say. I got a silver dollar here, says you didn't see nothing. You drop a coin <laughs> You drop a coin down the bell of his sacks and turn to leave. <laughs> As the old <laughs> As the old blues man chokes <laughs> You pause. And while you're at it, Slick, know any songs for a man with a cold heart and a sting in his tail? <laughs> oh, I 
should have gone with my gut. Yeah, yeah, you were kind of onto yourself. Hi, I'm Richard Wolf, and I'll be hosting a series of short segments from the front lines of the writing scene. Bring your Ray-Bans, folks. It's gonna be lit. English lit. Richard. All right, now take your Ray-Bans off, because we're in Bradford, and they'll make you a target. I've come to talk to Dudley Dodd, a working-class playwright with a humble background and a face like an unmade bed. Dudley came up with the angry young men of the 50s and 60s, Kingsley Amis, Philip Larkin, and and in his own world of theatre, Joe Orton and John Osborne. These were men what said it like what it was. They didn't have time for the ornate modernism of Eliot, Auden and Ezra Pound. No, they said angrily, or no. <laughs> We're not going to write about the fate of the soul. We're going to write about Minan, post-industrial degeneration and beer for 20p. Here's a rare recording of Dudley Dodd's first autobiographical play, Drinking Beer for 20p with my post-industrial nan who's a degenerate. No, but ma'am... I don't want to live all my life in Grimbledon. I want to be a writer. A writer? You can't be a writer, son. Us dads don't do writing. Get a real job like your dad does and go work down the chimney pots. (laughs) Dudley's real father did indeed work down the chimney pot. (laughs) For 40 years. For 40 years. But what he was actually doing down there all that time remains unclear. (laughs) I asked Dudley about his upbringing to find out if it really was as shit as it sounds. (laughs) I'm gone. I need a sip. Today I'm in Cornwall, where the cross-eyed banjo twangers that make up the local population are elevating my already strong face game into extremely flattering contrast. I feel like a mermaid at a bingo night. Nevertheless, there are decent people, the Cornish. Calm, hairless, and family-orientated. We may not understand their customs, their food, their mating rituals, or their language, but nevertheless, the Cornish have developed a rudimentary literature of their own. I know. I spoke to the leading Cornish writer, Chunky Flotsam, about the challenges faced by writers in her area. Hello, Chunky. That's a nice dress. Can you tell me about your book, or have you cooked it? Why the corn of When I was very young, my father fell down a hole in the sand and never came back. I had dug it to trap sea cows, but never told a soul. To this day, that is the wound from which my stories pour. So, Chunky, uh, where do you get your ideas? The tourism board has made my home seem like a cereal box paradise. But the truth is much darker. Many of the locals refuse to accept progress and openly practice occultism, inbreeding and cannibalism. How does the landscape figure in your writings, Chunky? You misunderstand, Mr. Wolf. Please tell your listeners to send what id they can to stricken Cornwall. We have strayed most grossly from the path. I can't. We'll have to give up that bit again. 
<laughs> what from the top? From the top. Please tell your listeners to send what id they can to Stricken Cornwall. We have strayed most coastlines. <laughs> I need a minute. There's some fucking noises. Have you ever spoken to someone from Cornwall? Oh, that makes this worse. Okay, try it. We'll go. We'll go. Ask. Ask the question again. How does the landscape figure in your right? It's <laughs> chunky. Do you want to do another take on that one? Yep. <coughs> How does the landscape figure in your writings, Chunky? We're <coughs> doing. <laughs> I can't do this at the same time you're doing that. <laughs> I just need a minute. Oh my god. Well, folks, it's safe to put your Ray-Bans back on because now I'm Ubering south on country. <laughs> well, folks, it's safe to put your Ray-Bans back on because now I'm Ubering south on company money. I hope you've enjoyed this first segment of Richard Wolf's Britain's Books Writers with Richard Wolf. I'm en route to my next assignment. For now, it's back to Ash and Adam at Here Read This Studio. As an angry young man might say, On your head, you prat. Cheers, boys. Okay, so don't read the stage directions. Don't read the stage directions. Okay. Just read the lines, okay? Okay, Mr. Spielberg. God, what a day. Mr. Scrooge sure can be a real slave driver. It's all worth it to be back home with you two. How can I complain, though? I'm the luckiest man in the world, with the most beautiful wife and the bravest son. How's my little guy doing? Fine, Daddy. I'm feeling much better today. All the signs are good, apart from his wretched cough, <coughs> and my dratted, daft old legs, and those silly old crows that keep hopping after me with bibs on. Sure, that's nothing, son. How was school? Oh, wonderful, Daddy. We got to choose our subjects for the new year. I can finally opt out of cross-country and Zumba weaving. Mr. Mercedes was getting awfully cross with me for pretending to forget my kit every week. Please wouldn't ever believe me about my awful cough. <coughs> That's great, my lad. I'm so proud of you. You know what I always say? Never let your illness stop you from being yourself. And now you can choose what you want to do, not be forced into doing something you don't. That's right. So I've ditched sums and stitch work and gone for kickboxing. Kickboxing? Oh, Daddy, please don't be cross. I was so afraid to tell you, but for my whole short, tiny life, all I've ever wanted is to kickbox. But for kickboxing, Tiny Tim, you need legs. Confidence and plenty of heart. Just like you've always said. I can do anything if I believe in myself. That's right, isn't it, Daddy? Yeah. Hooray! I'm going to practice. Ooh. Bye, son. Good, 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 good night, son. I'm okay. Oh, my darling wife. What can we do to discourage him? Nothing, Bobby's doomed. I've already ordered a coffin from Mr. Fiddlestiffs. Don't talk that way, sweetheart. It can't be that disastrous. No, you're right, it wasn't. Didn't even have to pay for a full-sized coffin. Said he could just repurpose the gift box his cufflinks came in. We can thread his... <laughs> we can thread his daft little legs into the... <laughs> we can thread his daft little legs into the... 
we can just thread his daft little legs into the cufflink slits. Make a show of it. That way, if some of them grave-robbing bastards make a go for him, when they crack the box open, up pops the little dead cripple and they'll have the shit scared out of them. Honestly, I don't know where you get your gallows humour, pet. We'll just have to dissuade the little soldier, that's all. Well, it's too late tonight. We've already hung stockings and said hymns. Least you've got tomorrow off to try and make him see sense. <laughs> tomorrow, yes. I'm, I'm afraid, my love, that something... Ah, oh, fuck's sake, Bob. I reasoned with him, darling. Believe me. Oh, bloody perfect. I wish I could be there, really. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to carve the wren? I'll, I'll leave instructions. Nah, nah, Bob, that's too much. You hear me? Too much. A husband not being with his wife and son on Christmas Day for some fucking podcast. Listen to me, Bob Cratchit. I don't care if you do lose the job. You're going round to that old bastard's house right now and telling him I am not coming into work tomorrow. But love... Now, Bob Cratchit, or I'll never let you snog me again. At... Ash, I've got to get this off my chest. Oh, yeah? I'm sick, sick, sick of seeing those sanctimonious recipe bastards on those adverts in Tesco. You know Dave's Boys Night Steak Tacos and April's Naughty But Nice Couscous? Oh, yeah, I know what you mean, man. Totally. You know what else I'm sick of? Those bloody author events you've always got on at Sainsbury's. It's a supermarket, not a book launch. Oh, no, I've never seen those, Adam. What are you on about? All right, well, surely you're sick of the Tesco self-service machine saying unexpected item in bagging area every other second. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I've always, uh, yeah, very annoyed by that. And those ambient weasels they've got at Morrison's. No, mate, I've, I've never seen Yeah, well, those. What, what, what about the Tesco's hummus deal, which assumes you eat hummus faster than it goes off? Yeah, that, that is incredible. And Lidl doing those bloody sermons, the tannoy every five minutes. Yeah, I know I'm going to hell. Thank you, Lidl. I only came in for asparagus. You know, a lot of the stuff you've come out with I don't get at all, but all your Tesco points add up. Oh... Hello, I'm Simon Armitage, the new boss of poetry. Now, a change in management is enough to ruffle anyone to chuff, so I thought I'd reassure you that I'm just a nice, soft-faced northerner and not to be afraid of, unless you cross me. So let me paint a picture of me background. I'll warn you now, I'm going to need a lot of grey. Me upbringing was northern, windblown and tin-based. Growing up, me dad used to take us kids tin-truffling up and down Malham Cove. What a sight we were to behold, all of us. The whole Armitage clan up on all fours, rumps in air, scampering up and down the fells to see to see who could sniff out the most tin before tea time. We've managed to make the podcast even more niche than normal by describing bits of where Ash is from. Where, where's Simon Armitage from, please? Can I press play again? My spirit animal is a grouting trowel. I know how to dry stone wall. More importantly, I know when. The only films I have and will ever watch are Kez, Brastoff and Kez 2, Blowback. <laughs> if your mother went to Huddersfield Polytechnic between the years of 1980 and 1985, check a knicker for some of me poems. I found inspiration everywhere in them days, so even if she's a right munter, it's well worth a rummage. Like many poets, I am drawn to ruins. Could be she's hoarding a couple of me vintage rhymes, and they'll be worth a few bob now, I reckon. <laughs> I've got a stuffed ferret called Harriet, but that is my only surrender to whimsy. 
I'm a serious man, apart from Harriet and the outfits I make her put on. <laughs> apart from that... <laughs> Apart from that, I'm a hard man, and I write the kind of poetry you'll break a fucking tooth on. Welcome to a new dawn, the age of Simon, or rather, the age of Armitage. Wow. I think he means business. I think he does. Hello, Simon Armitage here, your friend and leader, high priest of poetry. Uh, I take my responsibility as a role model very seriously, and that is why I wanted to take time to appear on Air Read This to respond to some of the young, aspiring poets who have contacted me with their work. Yesterday, I received a poem from Jamie, who is 17 years old and wanted to ask me what I thought of his stuff. His poem was called, You Say I'm Weird, I Say I'm Different, a charming and relatable prose poem full of quirky humour and warmth, in which Jamie explains to the reader of the poem that although they have become convinced of his weirdness, he takes the point of view that this is a misreading on their part of an obscure strength of his, which presumably they are too myopic or boomerish to pick up on. I was inspired reading Jamie's poem and composed a a poem in response. Here it is. Oh God, he's actually done a poem. He's actually going to put his money where his mouth is for once. Don't get cute with me, you cunt. Or say I'd... <laughs> or say I'd... <laughs> or say I'd call you weird when I wouldn't. <laughs> You're as weird as a three-leaf clover, so forget the poetry, it's over. Jamie, go home some. You're winsome, you're loathsome. Your prose is saccharine and lame. Diagnosis, lack of shame. You're as different and new as socks on before shoes. Jamie, go home, son. You're winsome. You're loathsome. You're desperately keen but unstudied, meaning your couplets land like two dogs trampolining. Jamie, go home, son. You're winsome. You're loathsome. So last week we were discussing um, Boswell and Johnson. We were. Had a great Um, time. And I I love the spirit of describing uh, somewhere familiar with seeming new eyes in the way that that Johnson did. Um, These days, I think you can only really get away with it with good reason. Say, if you were a proper uh, immigrant and you were seeing somewhere for the first time, Um, which is a shame because I presume you'd like to do it. I certainly would. Yeah. You'd like to write about places as if you were seeing them first. Absolutely. But then I realised, actually... You definitely can't, but I can, because <clears throat> I actually am an immigrant. In in what way? Well, um, I've never really told you much about my life uh, before all this, but um, I wasn't actually born on Scottish soil, Adam. I was. Excuse me. Yeah, uh, far. I was born far, far in the in the south, uh, in a country called England, which is where they make culture. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Um, so I thought I'd share with you uh, some of the observations I've made of your country, which are totally allowed because I am actually an immigrant, so I can't get in trouble for them. Okay, I will, um, I, I, I will sit back and let this wash over me. Okay. 4th of September, 2016. I've taken lodgings in Leith, an area close to the water, perhaps out of a subconscious desire to have a nearby mode of escape. My first few weeks have been somewhat fruitless, Quite literally, in fact, as the Scot has, for generations, waged war with all vegetable life. Whole dynasties of Scots have dedicated their lives to the uprooting and wiping out of all native and edible plants. This baffling task has been carried out in a spirit of neurotic vendetta, which brings to mind the purgings of Stalin. (laughs) 
My search for any Scottish artistic pursuits have been similarly fruitless. Upon meeting a man with a paintbrush in his mouth, whom I took for an artist, I inquired whether there was any culture to be found in the city of Edinburgh. The man answered by showing me a wife he had made out of trousers, (laughs) whereupon he finished eating the brush. (laughs) This this line of inquiry not forthcoming, and being a young buck abroad among this Scottish race, naturally I was keen to observe their women. This is where we might get taken off. (laughs) (laughs) What have you written? As I cautiously began to explore leave, I was surprised to not notice a single female among the population local to my lodgings. Where were they keeping them, I asked myself. It took me several days of wandering for me to realise, Jesus, no, those are women. (laughs) Or at least, they were once. (laughs) Fucking hell. Before the hard... Before the hard and sunless years of of alley fights and open-air mating took their toll. (laughs) What creature back in England we refer to as the gentler sex here in Scotland has had its fair flesh hardened into that of an Arctic beluga. You've nailed you, you've you've nailed the, the Boswell style of <laughs> <laughs> observing women in oh, a foreign yeah. country. Tall and broad as tractors, <laughs> these ladies patrol around the clock the Leith streets which they know like the back of their hoof. They are to be respected, for not doing so would come at terrible price. I have learned to keep at all times a pocket full of oats with which I may divert any unwanted interest they may take in me. I dare say I do not exaggerate in claiming that a few overarm sh- <laughs> few overarm showers of oats or shredded pancake has averted the occasion of my being fucked to death. <laughs> I've heard at night the pitiful screams... <laughs> Why is it still going? <laughs> I, well, I've heard at night the pitiful screams of those less fortunate than I. For terror, I could not bring myself to observe their fates. But the sound alone was enough to learn their end was merciless, prolonged, and creative. While, like all Scots, they are proudly illiterate, that is not to say they lack cunning. Even as the cruel and arbitrary havoc of life in this northern land has hardened these women into silverbacks, yet they possess the jungle whiff of an intelligence unique to the sapien. I'd I'd forgotten that you were entirely dependent on peyote when you arrived in Scotland. (laughs) Yeah, I went out at the weekend. Um, have outside? You, uh, yeah, outside. Have you heard of this new um, literary character, Rap Battle League? No. If you like big butts, then I'm your guy. <laughs> big Nick Bottom, hogging up the spotlight. Dominates any scene that I long to snatch. I got a donkey's head and a dong to match. Ha! <laughs> Because I'm the horniest protagonist, the top-ranked skank. So put a bottom next to me, you know it's going to get a spank. You need some lessons from me, you hopeless fat creep. You got in bed with a queen and then fell the fuck asleep. (laughs) I'm Proteus, the dopest, Casanova in the opus. I set the mould for Romeo Barone and my opponent, not known for going toe-to-toe with rodents. I'm homegrown and I'm wholesome, but you better know, bro, I'll metamorphose in a moment. Uh, what do they say about rapists who live in glass houses? Yeah. Oh yeah, string them up by the tits, kick them in the deck and smash the mouth in. Let's well, go. I toss a brick in this prick's eyelid. I got hitched with my brazen drive kit, got a top pick chick, no sick surprises. Rock a big whip that'll tame your wife with. When I flushed your papers, I nearly clogged the entire sewer. Because your fucking buck's almost as fat as fucking you are. You've only just begun by the time I'm finally singing hymns and your storyline's weaker than Tiny Tim's limbs. Ooh. 
Why don't you slip them lips round the big dick of Mr. Pickwick? Whoa. And then attend to my posse of misfits. Already rich kid, but I'll spit sick for a biscuit. Best-selling player for some hit lit fit. Call me Fifty Shades of your dead sister's lipstick. Let me park my submarino. Up your ass, I'll patch a keyhole. I'm a cool recluse, I live under sea though. Tonight your wife will be finding Nemo. The soldiers will be partying and making quite a din. Outside the children jump for joy and so do those within. The queen will draw her sword and say, let's all honour him when the toad came on your chin. Oh, there's music. Mm. Oh, there's a beat. Alright, motherfuckers, I'm Caroline Duffy. Rough squad, tough nut, hopping that puppy. If you call book podcast stale and stuffy, I'll bust out my dusters and flay you to putty. Or else go listen to ear read this. Fooshmucks talking books every Friday ish. The tall ones, Adam, girls keeping tits on. His mate's name's Ash, like what Sean Connery sits on. So if you want lit crit with a print stick quiz and skits mixed in with Shakespeare beers, I'm here to holler that the theory is if you like that shite, then ear read this. Alright, I'm Joe Wicks, I'm the fitness tit Here to bosh bash back what the top bitch bished Step one, go listen to ear read this Step two, bish into the kitchen, bosh open the fridge A podcast and a nosh, that's a cheat day bliss There, eat that and ear read this Bish, 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 bosh Ear read bish, 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 bosh Bosh cast bish, 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 bish What am I seeing? Is it a bish? Is it a bosh? No, it's MC Ian Ian Rankin, coming in tanking Let's get this podcast ranking high like Ian skanking Cos everyone knows Anything going, Ian shoves up his nose Molly, beer, shrooms, blow Sniffy, sniffy, up it goes Dolphins, kilts, dad, phones All of it's going right up me nose It's hungry, it's Thursday, it's Monday, it's Thursday I'm sniffing dazed and unable to speak Cos I snorted me words and the days of the week Sniff, 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 sniff. Ian to the ranking, gold bars banking Home in half an hour, might just squeeze a wankin Right, cheers Ian, not quite on brief Duffy's back in the seat, so hail to the chief Dog boy, drop a beat, Ian have a lie down, Carol gets the last word, let me sign out. You don't want to look like something a lorry hit. So obey my last actor's poet laureate. Need to leave someone I can trust at the helm, I declare eerie this, the podcast of the realm. <laughs> How long did that take you? <laughs>